I'm Sheldon Brown. This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Well, you're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM, and we are at the Cycle Show 2006 down in Docklands, and I'm here with Joe Upton of Bike Love fame. Joe, welcome to The Bike Show. It's been a long time coming, but you're finally here. Thank you very much, Jack. Yeah, it's good to be in London. Uh, missing Sydney some, uh, but uh, actually the Cycle Show is making up for it. And our quest today is to find the best bicycling gadget at the cycle show and um, there's a lot to choose from I mean there's sort of glittering stalls selling all kinds of bicycle paraphernalia here uh, we're not interested in the bicycles we're interested in the gadgets anything uh, you're particularly looking out for today I'm looking for something lightweight uh, elegant and uh, something that's going to make my bike look a bit better actually And well, first off, we are here at the Memory Map stall, and Rob Marsden from Memory Map is going to explain to us a little bit about um, how it all works. It's a kind of GPS type uh, yeah, software, um, is it? Yeah, basically what we're doing, uh, we're producing uh, a digital mapping software um, that you can use to actually plan your routes on, uh, print your own maps, uh, but you can actually program your GPSs directly from that, uh, use it to review your performance when you actually return from your ride. Uh, kind of one of the things that we've done this year is we've actually sponsored the Scott Mountain Bike Team. So those guys have actually been using GPS units on their bikes using our mapping software to plan the routes out and actually evaluate the performance when they return from the rides. So can we have a look at one of them in, in action? What's, yeah, how, how, how does it work? You've got the screens here and what looks like an ordnance survey map on the screen. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the idea um, being, obviously, you kind of select the map you want to use, first of all. From there, um, you've literally got a couple of options. You can either uh, use a route or a track uh, to actually plan out um, your uh, course that you want to do. Um, it's simply a click of a mouse button there, and as you want to put your track on, you just simply draw it on, okay. on the map there. And then how does that transfer to the bicycle? So if you've done that at home on the PC, then how would someone use it on their bike? Yeah, I mean, we're actually compatible with uh, more GPSs on the market than anybody else. In fact, about 99% of the GPSs is there. Um, so literally, it's simply a click of a right-click of the mouse button, right-click, sent to GPS, and it transfers the information across to your GPS unit there. So that will work with any GPS unit? It doesn't have to be your GPS unit? It doesn't, no. I mean, Garmin, Magellan are the usual guys that people uh, people are familiar with. And um, why do you think cyclists need this? I mean, cyclists have got by for more than 100 years on paper. Paper maps are quite bulky to actually take with you. So if you actually plan your routes on the software, download it onto your GPS, it sits nicely on the handlebars or on the stem there. Uh, so it's a really nice little compact unit that you can use with your GPSs now. And it's something of 
crucial interest to the touring cyclist is where the nearest pubs are. So do you have that kind of information on so that you know when you're when you're nearing lunchtime, will it tell you that there is ham, egg and chips and a pint of bitter available, you know, not too far away? Well certainly the uh, I mean all the public houses are marked on, on say the Ordnance Survey maps anyway, so obviously you could you could plan your stops in there. Um, you could even set up an alarm to sound on your GPS, so just as you're approaching the pub, the alarm could sound. Um, so yeah, all that sort of thing is actually available on there. Yeah, I like yeah. the idea of a pub alarm. <laughs> yeah, so definitely, yeah, just set a proximity alarm up on the pub. Okay, and so how much does it cost to get a memory map system up and running? Well, I mean, we're doing uh, packages at the show here, um, starting at £160 uh, for your mapping software, your GPS unit, your bike mount, your PC kerbal. Uh, yeah, starting at £160. Great, well, what do you reckon, Joe? <laughs> I think I need one for London, that's for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks very much for your time, Rob. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, we're here at a stand which is impossible to miss because it's kind of covered up like a Christmas tree with flashing lights. And I'm uh, here with Neil and Jeff from the Indicator brand. Uh, um, company makes bicycle lights and um, you've got a whole selection of um, LED lights here do you want to talk us through the range yes well we, we do two different sorts of lights we do body lights so that they actually fasten them to the person so that you can use them on or off your cycle and then we also do a set of uh, bright cycle lights that fasten to the tire valves or the actual spokes of the cycle to light your, your side elevation up to give you more visibility to other road users so this is a uh um, the sort of the main, no, they've got the kind of four flashing um, LED bulbs yeah. and they just, how do they clip onto the body? They, they basically can fasten on anywhere, but they come with a Velcro strap so you can self-adhesive the Velcro to the actual uh, helmet, rucksack, body. Uh, they also have a belt loop and a top loop so you can fasten them to a carabiner or a rucksack. Okay. And how long do they last? Well, the, 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 the battery life? The battery life is 120 hours, but the battery is replaceable. Okay, and you can turn them on and off, or are they always on? No, no, they uh, they have a switch, they have a constant mode, so it is just four sets of bright red lights, or you can have them so that they alternate or strobe. Okay, what do you reckon, Joe? Well, I think they're great, but to be honest, Jack, my attention's drawn to the, the pink skulls there, which you attach to your... Where do you attach those pink skulls? The, the, the alien heads fasten onto oh, the tyre valves. Heads. You've actually put them on the tyre valve instead of the dust cap and they're ball bearing uh, motion activated so as the wheel goes round the ball bearing makes the connection and they flash. Oh, that's fantastic. I so is this a fun device or is this a safety device as well do you think? It's it's both really. I mean the, the whole idea is to get the kids to, to actually make themselves more visible when they're on the bikes and the, the best way to do that is to make it fun for them. So by something like this, bright flashy lights in novelty sort of shapes and colours the kids tend to absolutely adore them and they're quite happy to have them on. It's almost a competition who's got the most lights on the bike. What, what would you have, Jack? I, yeah, I mean, I think these are great. I think I, I like the idea of saying that it goes, goes round and round. And this goes on the pedal, does it? These fasten on the pedals. They're just, again, three very bright LEDs, motion activated. You fasten them to the pedal. As the pedal goes round, the little red lights start flashing. And, and what do they sell for? What's the price? The, pri the prices range from sort of £7.99 up to £10.49. So and, the, and the batteries to replace, how much are the batteries? Well, the batteries, again, they're the small lithium batteries, so they're very cheap and easy to replace. But all our well, sets... Well, a couple of pounds or something. A couple of pounds for a whole set of batteries, but ours all come with a spare set of batteries as well. So you've got two sets of batteries with them. Great. Yeah, fantastic. If I get some of those alien heads, 
I think, uh, yeah, I threaten even deepest, darkest Southwark, so. Well, right next door to the indicator stand, practically, is the pedalite stand. And we're here with John Eve, who's going to explain to us a little bit about what his product does. It's a pedal which lights up, but there must be more to it than that. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's completely without any battery. Inside the pedal, there's a generator and a capacitor which stores a certain amount of energy that keeps the lights going when you stop pedalling. As soon as you start pedalling, the lights will, will start flickering and then get going. And then when you stop, they carry on like that. Right, so it's got three lights, so uh, a, a red, um, an orange and a white. Yeah. And the, and the uh, amber or the orange light uh, is directional out to the side. The white light is directional to the front and the red one to the back. So that when you have them on the bike, you have in fact 365 degrees. 365 degrees? 300. Anyway, you've got all round vision, chaps. Um, How long do they flash for after you've, uh, you've Stop stopped? Mm. Five or six minutes. So um, that's a pretty long traffic light <laughs> change, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can miss a few, can't you? <laughs> Actually, there's one of those that I go past on my commute, so they'd be perfect for that. So let's have a look. Let's have a, let's have a feel of this thing. So it's pretty lightweight. It's not much heavier than a regular pedal. And um, how much kind of energy does it take? I mean, how much extra pedaling do you have to do to keep the light going? The, it's been calculated through tests uh, to show that you only, only a little over half a percent of the energy that you need to push the bike along is used on uh, keeping, the, keeping the, the lights generated. And, and how do you keep the, um, the red light at the back and the white light at the front? Because it seems like you could be going along like that or like that. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> the fact is that it's very difficult to. So you could have the red light going you forwards? You could. In, in fact, we were, we were very concerned about this for some time. But then there are a number of police forces who've been testing this out and emergency services. And they, some bright spark came back and said, well, in fact, it doesn't matter. There's no legal problem at all. The thing is that you're visible anyway. Obviously, it's preferable to have the red at the back because that's really what you expect to see. But if for a spell, it's obviously more important that you keep your eyes on the traffic and what's going on rather than uh, what is uh, your uh, where your pedals are. What about if I wanted to personalise my choice of colourful lights? If I wanted more of a disco oh. kind of bike? <laughs> well, we're, the only the only people we've been talking about this to is is the police, who who we're talking about. Guess what? We're talking about putting blue lights in. And what do they sell for? $39.95 is the price. We're over here now at the uh, Cyclop stand, and have you seen these uh, before, Joe? No, these are a revelation to me, Jeff. So um, we're here with Andrew, um, who's going to explain a little bit about what is uh, Cyclop. Okay, so the, the Cyclop was designed uh, principally for your typical city cyclists who perhaps rides around town during the day and arrives back in a small flat at the end of the day. And the big issue is where do you keep your bike? usually ends up in a hallway, booby-trapping a hallway or a room in your house. And living in a city with very limited storage space, 
you've got a real problem with bike storage. There's products on the market, but they're all geared towards um, a garage or a shed, general utility spaces, but they're not things you would want to put on the wall of your house, generally speaking. So this is why I designed the Cyclop. Right, so, you, so let's have a look at one close up. It's kind of, it fits on the wall. It's a, uh, a cylinder shape. It's kind of like a, a sideways on flower pot. That's pretty accurate, yeah. It was all about sort of pressing down all the problems. It uses the bike's inherent rearward weight bias as part of the retention system. That's one of the reasons it dictated the form of the unit. And the other element is that uh, it also echoes the simplicity of yeah, a bicycle. I mean, they are very, they're very elegant. And um, the other element is that it keeps all your accessories in one place. You can store your lights and gloves and such like when MPs. you're not using them. Exactly. All the things that get dispersed around your house and you're always looking forward to it last minute. And Andrew, how many do you have in your own home? I've got four on the wall of my hallway. So uh, one above the other? Or? Two tiers, that's right. Two in each tier. Pretty amazing. Nobody's yeah. got one bike. Yeah, yeah no, it's no, true. I, I know some people who've got uh, these kind of structures from ceiling to floor with kind of one, maybe two bikes on, and they take up actually more room than uh, than a couple of bikes on the floor. So, and they come in different colours. They do. There's four colours. There's green, white, orange, and there's a black. And the black is 100% recycled material. And right. in the UK, it, okay, it's 25% of the range, but in the UK, it counts for about 60% of sales. So it's nice to know that people's conscience people are choosing the black does one. speak to them, exactly. Right, yeah, yeah. And um, what kind of stress does it put on the, uh, on the, on the bicycle, on the, on the top tube? Because it does look to me like, I mean, just looking at it, it looks a bit precarious. Well, but it's, it's not putting any strain, is no, it? No, at the end of the day, all it's doing is supporting the self-weight of the bicycle itself. Um, there's no additional dynamic loading or anything like that, so it's all very stable and straightforward. So you haven't had any, uh, any dents put in, uh, no, in tubes? No. And so what do these sell for? The retail price is £59.95. £59.95. And what kind of wall do you have to have to fix it? Any wall at all. It just comes down to using the right fixings for the type of wall construction. So if you've got a stud wall with yeah. plasterboard, you use spring toggle fixings. A masonry wall, you use a fixing called a shield anchor, which is like a heavy-duty roll plug. Yeah. And you would give advice um, or, or there's information there's about, about how to fix a, it up, is there? Yeah. There's a document that accompanies each unit that gives it. There's a drilling template for drilling holes in the walls and there's pictorial guidance about insulation. So it's all as painless as possible. Yeah, and how many have you sold so far? In the last nine months, we've sold about 1,700. Wow. So from a standing start to that volume and picking up various um, international design awards as well, it's received very well. Yeah, I, no, I, I was just wondering if the sales were UK only or is that no, on the continent? We've been selling internationally from the outset. As soon as you're, you pop your head above the parapet, you're dealing with a global market. Yeah, I think these are absolutely terrific. I've really often admired them and it's great to meet the inventor. Thank you very much. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I'd, I'd like a couple at least for, uh, for my gaff. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much, Andrew. Cheers. heading back into the reaches of high technology over at the Sunto stand and uh, here with Jason Kerry who's standing um, with a whole lot of um, 
watches. They look kind of like ordinary watches, but I think they aren't ordinary watches because there's an enormous screen, plasma screen behind him with a kind of graph showing. I don't know what it's showing, Jason. What is it showing, and how do these how do these watches uh, interact with uh, with the graph? Well, the watches we do, we've got several different types. The graph being displayed behind us is actually from the T6, which is our top of the range fitness product. The graph can actually display seven different bodily functions which the T6 can analyze whilst exercising. The T6 doesn't only just take heart rate, that's the main thing. It quantifies heart rate variability and from that can work out percentage VO2 max, can work out respiration rate and something called EPOC, which is excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. Now that will actually work out in a graph-like form from one to five so you can see if you're under training, sustaining your fitness, improving, majorly improving, or even overreaching whilst training. So these are kind of training uh, monitors, essentially. Totally. I mean, this actually makes sure that when you actually go out and train, you get the most out of your time. These not only just measure heart rate, because at the end of the day, if you train just using a traditional heart rate monitor and say you, you do 160 beats a minute, at what point do you know you've overtrained? You don't. If you use one of our products, especially the T3, T4, or even T6, it actually tells you what training effect you've reached, so you know when to stop. So you know when you've actually hit your training regime if you're going something. Normally that's about five minutes for me. <laughs> well, five is doing pretty well. Uh, depends on what environment. I mean, it depends which pub I'm going to. Does it, does it measure um, blood alcohol content? No, unfortunately not. You still have to actually rely on the police for that. <laughs> So they, they do the traditional Sunto kind of uh, mountaineering things, do they? They, they altitude, well, barometric pressure, compass and all that? The, we have that side of our business. Obviously, that's where we grew up from. But these products are more aimed at the training area. Now, the T6 has still got outdoor kind of like hierarchy in there, such as it's got an altimeter and barometer. But if you're after something which is purely on the training side, the T1, T3, T4, or T6 is the one. If you're still interested in the outdoor side, we do something called an X6HR, which has got the compass and everything else, which you know people might go back to. So you've gone very silent, Joe. Are you blinded by science? <laughs> blinded and a bit overwhelmed, actually. Yeah. I'm, how, do, how does it tell you that you've actually reached your max and really you should stop you know, for a cup of tea and, uh, and rejuvenate? Well, with the T3 and T4, it gives you live data. Now, the live data is displayed on the watch itself. Now, you can actually set your training zone as a target. So, for instance, if you want to go out and do just a sustaining your fitness level two training zone, by our training effect, you set that on your watch, and as you start exercising, it will tell you how many minutes at your present exercise level it will take to reach training zone level two. But how does it know who you are? I mean, how does it tell the difference between me and Roger Hammond? Right, the way it works, unfortunately, you have to be honest with it. When you receive the watch, you have to actually enter in all your personal parameters. So your age, sex, height, weight, um, maximum heart rate, and exercise level. When you've entered all that information, it can quantify that information and analyze comparing with your heart rate variability and work out from there to make sure you're getting the maximum trainings, training effect when it's exercising. Right, and does it have any motivational tools as well? <laughs> well, we do a T4, which has got an, a built-in coach and that coach has got a five-day coaching regime. Now, it's not a dumb coach, it actually listens and understands what you're doing. So if it says today you've got to do a medium um, exercise level, say a, a training effect level two, and you've gone out and done a training effect level four, it will actually revise the next four days to make sure that it actually compensates so you're still improving and not overdoing it. 
vice versa if you go out down the pub and do nothing it knows because you're not exercising your heart it hasn't been displayed and in that way it will compensate the other way it sounds like a, a really kind of authoritarian personal trainer i'm not i'm not sure <laughs> it's, it's not bad. It could be worse. I was talking to them trying to get an electric shock built in because that would make sure people <laughs> exercise. But unfortunately, that's against the rules. So have you got any um, famous uh, cyclists who, who use these in their um, training regimes? Well, with the T6, we've got a cyclist called Ollie Beckinsale. Um, I, he was on the um, Commonwealth Games recently, came, came second, got a silver in the mountain bike trails. So it is used by professionals. The T6 is actually designed with the Finnish Olympic squad. So it's not a gimmick. It's actually designed by professionals for professionals. And that's where the rest of them have been developed and as well. And so for the enthusiastic amateur, what product would you recommend? Wholeheartedly, the T3. The T3 retails at £100. Um, it's not going to break the bank, but it starts introducing people into the training, training effects. Training effect one to five. And realistically, if you use a training effect correctly, you can almost eliminate heart rate. You don't have to look at what your heart rate's doing because you need to look at what your training effect is doing. So now people, if they've only got half an hour, they can get any exercise they want, any exercise effect out of it by looking at their training effect and working to it. So working harder or easier, looking at the training effect. So it's got a little display that says go faster or go slower. It's got a, it's got a display displaying what your training effect is at the moment and how many minutes it will take you to reach whatever you've set as a target, say level two, three, four, whatever. So now you know if you've only got half an hour and you want to do a level four exercise, you go out there and the training effect will say level four, but it will take you an hour. You know that you've got to work much harder to bring that time down. Great. Well, thanks very much. I think we're a bit dazzled. We're lucky we don't have one of these to get back into central London because <laughs> we took a rather circuitous route oh, along the Transport for London's bicycle paths. Oh, lovely. But, um, but uh, thanks for explaining the, uh, the uh, product to us, Jason. Cheers. No problem. Well, thanks for coming to say hello. Thanks. Well, we've come outside into the sunshine, away from the merchandising hell of the Cycle Show 2006. No, it's a good show. So, thinking back, what do you think were hits and what were misses, Joe? Well, uh, to be honest, if money was uh, no object, I think I'd be going for the, the memory map. I mean, just to get from kind of my house to here, I think it would have, <laughs> it would have helped no end. Um, but I think overall, I think, I think the... Uh, the lights the dinky lights the indicator lights the indicator lights they're an absolute hit and the and the guys there they really believed in what they were doing and um and they had a real sense of you know trying to promote kind of visibility and they had lots of ideas underway and and uh, and and they were really nice yeah well i, I think <laughs> i would go for many of the same reasons for the cycloc and andrew's design of the beautiful bike storage uh, device which i think is fantastic so i guess we have uh, a tied winners. Well, thanks, Joe, for being um, on the panel of uh, of our best gadget 2006, and hope to have you on the bike show again in the very near future. Oh, wonderful! Thank you, Jack. Yeah, anytime. Well, the very near future is now because Joe Upton is in the studio here at Resonance. Hi, Joe. Good evening. So you walked away from the bike show with a couple of little lights to put on your dust caps. Are they still there? They are. No one, no one has nabbed them as yet. Uh, 
That might be for one of two reasons, but no, they're still there. And, and are, are they are they glowing in the dark? Yeah, they work pretty well actually. I mean, I, I look down to check they are still working, causing nearly causing accidents, but yeah, they're going off. Well, we were at the cycle show to inspect the gadgets, but um, actually, the real highlight of the show was an unexpected audience and interview with the great, legendary Belgian cyclist. Eddie Merckx, he was there to open the show and to promote his line of bicycles which were um, being exhibited um, in the show and um, we were given the uh, rare privilege of an audience with Eddie and I started off by asking him uh, some questions about um, his company um, and uh, when, uh, since when he'd been in the bike making business. Since 1980, we have a bicycle factory, and uh, we are, yeah, we were not so lucky in the past uh, with a distributor. And now uh, I hope uh, we have with Graham a nice distributor to to promote the bike and uh, to sell the bike. And so, what makes an Eddie Merckx bike different from other bikes, apart from the fact that it has your name on it? Oh, I think, uh, I think it's uh, the experience of the of the, the race. And between uh, the construction things, so and also I think uh, the, the the carbon monocoque that we make is really a monocoque because that that, that frame is uh, not bended, not lux, not glue, so it's one piece. And the most of uh, uh, the frames will say this monocoque is bended or, or glued, and uh, the monocoque we have are really really monocoques. And when you were uh, racing, you had a reputation as a man who took an enormous amount of care over the setup of his bike. I remember that scene at the beginning of the um, film about the Paris-Roubaix uh, race where, where everything is being adjusted. Do you still have that kind of attention to detail with your bikes? Yeah, you know, uh, cycling is my passion and uh, also my, my experience and I will to be, to be perfect. You know, I don't want to be the biggest one, but we try to be the best one. And how much time do you spend out on your bikes uh, every week? Oh, it depends when I'm not traveling. When I'm not traveling, uh, normally in the weekends, uh, normally on Saturday and uh, Sunday, I ride the bike when it's nice weather. In the summer, I ride maybe a little bit more. Now I do uh, approximately like uh, six or seven thousand kilometers a year before it was 35,000 so it's a big difference uh, when I was racing and ride every day and enjoy that but you know you cannot be a pro cyclist uh, till you're 65 so uh, you have to retire and uh, but I'm still involved in business and in, in cycling and I think I'm, I'm born with a bike in my stomach and I think I will be dead with a bike in my stomach too. And so all your bikes are carbon now is that right or you have some carbon and some aluminium? No we have or both. We have uh, no steel anymore. Yeah, we, we can make also steel, but now, uh, you know, steel is not more so popular. Uh, because the, the leader bikes yeah. um, were, were are well sought after. And I mean, when they, I see them selling secondhand for really good money, yeah, yeah. is there any, any chance to go back to producing a, a, a classic bike from the classic era? Yeah, why not? I think we, we, we have the, if we have a demand, we may make, we make still some uh, steel bikes, but... The, for the moment, there is only some demand in uh, the U.S. and uh, sometimes in Japan. For the rest, uh, people don't ask anymore. So uh, now the the most popular is, is carbon, and so we have, I think, five different uh, carbon one from the monocoque and then uh, half monocoque and uh, one band. And so we goes from a low price like uh, 900 euro till uh, 2,950 euro on the carbon. So uh, that's that's make a big difference, but. We show what carbon we use, 
and also which one is a monocoque and which one is not the monocoque. Mm -hmm. And what's your impression of um, British cycling, um, the kind of differences between cycling over here to cycling on the continent? But you know, uh, cycling is uh, becomes much more popular now in uh, in in the UK. If you see also the last uh, two three years, we have a tour of England. Before we have not, uh, we have uh, before had some races. Uh, so uh, I think next year you have the start of the Tour de France in, in London. So that makes uh, cycling more popular. And you see how many people is here to, to the bicycle show. Yeah, it can be no, only be happy to see that. And can you tell us about the uh, Tour de France this year? Um, what it was that you said to Floyd Landis? Um, no, I, I was saying, I say that the finish, you, you only lose the, the race when you pass the finish in Paris. But you know, I don't know what happened, and so I don't, I don't want also to to go in that polemic because I'm not, I'm not uh, a doctor. I'm not uh, so. Uh, I, I think only petty for cycling that something like that happened, and I cannot understand that something can happen like that. I mean, how do you think professional cycling in the Tour de France um, kind of? can end this era of controversy? I don't know. I don't know. And I hope uh, it will be the last time that something like that happened. Il endosse tous les maillots. Il est le roi du vélo. Le monde entier applaudit. Well, that was Eddie Merckx on the bike show on Resonance FM, an absolute high watermark in our two years of bringing bicycling radio to the airwaves of London and beyond via podcast. But it's the end of the show, and next up is the clear spot. A petit bear.